This is Sonic Tonic Experience. Thanks for being here. My name is Darren Kramer. Very excited to have my good friend Jake Boldman, lead trumpet player, now living in Dallas, Texas. And um, we're going to have a lot of fun learning all about the world of lead trumpet. So welcome, Jake. Thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, totally. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, excited to chat and hang out. Yeah, this is especially cool because uh, I haven't seen you for a few months. Um, you were living in Colorado and then uh, right before uh, all this craziness hit, you were on tour with Margaritaville and touring yep. around the country and then uh, went back to Dallas to hunker down and live this thing out. So it's nice to see your face again. Yeah, man, you too. <laughs> Human contact. Yeah, even even through, you know, technology. Yeah, right. Um, our listeners should know we were opening the show listening to Turbulent Altercation. It's the first song on my first CD, and that track originally featured Jerry Hay and Gary Grant, the brilliant trumpet players on everything out in L.A., and so we decided to redo... Um, the Electro Horns parts on this new remix track of Turbulent Altercation, and Jake is there playing lead trumpet. So uh, thanks for all your efforts and always contributing to my DKO projects. Yeah, man, of course. It's great writing. It's so much fun to play. It's good yeah, stuff. We have a lot of in common and love of music for jazz and for the fact that we both went to two of the best schools really continuing to be in the world for music and i went to university of miami you went to north texas and there's a lot of uh, history there and a lot of great learning and faculty and it's just a great when you know someone's from one of those two schools you know they have a lot of skills so it's neat that we cross paths here in colorado yeah for sure from all places yeah <laughs> so we got all kinds of stuff we're going to talk about today and uh, this is going to be a real fun hour but we got to get started with one of the more important things let's get to this tonic quench jake what are we drinking today so today we're drinking your standard old-fashioned standard old-fashioned um what for our viewers that have never had one of those what is in it and why do you love it um i think i love it because it i am a big fan of bourbon um and that's the main uh spirit that you put in it um so i i do two shots of the the bourbon uh, a little bit of bitters a little bit of simple syrup and one of those is it uh I can never remember the name of those those uh, super sweet black cherries like Luxador. Uh, throw yeah. one of those in there with a with an orange peel. Oh, nice! You got the orange peel too. Let's see that yeah. again. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Put the cherry in there. Okay. Well, here's to you. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers, man. I think I like it because it's like it's got that bite and like the smokiness of the the whiskey, but the the cherry syrup and the simple syrup kind of brings out the, I don't know, the sweeter side of the bourbon. Um, you got fancy, you fancy ice cube in there, yeah. Look at that, I got round <laughs> ice cube. Um, I need to get me one of those. What uh, bourbon are you using? Uh, this is Woodford Reserve. Uh, it's just what, what we have laying around right now, so. 
Um, Do you always yeah. seem to have several bourbons laying around? <laughs> kind of like your trumpet and your yeah. mouthpiece. <laughs> yeah, I tend to. Right, some bourbons. Nice. Um, I, act, I actually am doing oh, the, yeah. the Breckenridge. That stuff's good. It That's really, one of my favorites, actually. really is. And it's made here in Breckenridge, Colorado. And ironically, I was just up there a couple of weeks ago. Just checking things out, and uh, me and my girlfriend Julie went up there, and it, the weather was just pristine, and the yeah. whole main drag was shut down, and everybody had was sitting outside, you know, because of the whole quarantine yeah. thing, and um, it was a nice vibe. No cars, and just tables and chairs in Main Street, right along the main drag there in Breckenridge, and so it was. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> really nice twenty-four <laughs> hours, but yeah. I, I didn't actually buy this there. I. It's okay. in all the stores around Colorado, yeah. and um, I highly recommend it. <laughs> I'm going to sample mine again. Yeah, that's a good idea. Bourbon whiskey in an old fashioned that is really good. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you just tuning in, this is Jake Boldman. Great lead trumpet player just recently put on hiatus because of covid um tell us about uh what you were doing with this uh, broadway show touring around the united states yeah so we're um it's the first national tour of uh escape to margaritaville it's the it's a show basically written around a bunch of jimmy buffett tunes um and so we we started in Providence, Rhode Island, and tech there for a couple of weeks, and did did some uh, I want to say like a week or two of previews, and uh, and then opened the show and went from there. And for the most part, we stick in uh, cities for about a week. Um, every now and then, we'll we'll hit a couple cities in a row where we're only there for you know one or two nights, and those are always you know long days, especially for for people on the crew yeah uh they got really really long days and uh they're they're putting all this stuff together and just it's super professional and uh you know they they don't get to make mistakes with setting that stuff up so it's a uh, it's pretty impressive on those those long days what they can get done um so yeah and we were let's see the last place we were we were in uh albuquerque new mexico and we were we actually never played a show there we were driving from, oh, no, we were driving from uh, Pueblo, I think. <laughs> yeah, this is perfect for those yeah. <laughs> of you that don't know life on the road. <laughs> it seems all glamorous and how awesome. There are many awesome things about it, but there is the other side. I don't know where the heck I was. You didn't actually yeah. get to see the town. <laughs> you actually just go, oh, we're in a new city, and now we're playing the show at 730 tonight. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't know what day it is. Don't want know where I'm at, but I know I got to be at this, this theater down the road at 7:30. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we were coming from there, and we were we were on the bus uh, driving, and uh, we were about halfway to Albuquerque, and our uh, our manager got on the you know the microphone in the bus and was like, "Just a heads up, we're uh, we're not playing in Albuquerque this weekend, so." enjoy the week and don't get into too much trouble and we'll we'll then it was like it kind of hit the fan 
after that. And it's like, hey, instead of going to you know, wherever on Monday, you're going home. And they and, flew you out of Albuquerque? Yep. You were enjoying the tour and you enjoyed the playing every night and the challenge of trying to perfect the show and, and really nail everything. Yeah. So it's, it, it, it's not the hardest show that I've ever played. Uh, it's one of the easier ones, but there, there are, you know, are still moments of um, difficulty, I guess, with, you know, you're just picking notes out some, you know, sometimes hitting the same note over and over and over again. Uh, and yeah, so I think, I think at a certain point you have to get into the consistency yeah. part of playing because you're at that point you could, you know, I had most of the show memorized and you're kind of just flipping through the pages. I was starting to, uh, dig in to see how, how perfect I could play the show. Um, and how many, just how clean I could get it. You know, I wasn't really focused on not making mistakes. It was more of like getting that good feeling on every note than, you know, lines and, and things like that. So uh, it was it was interesting because, you you know, you get pretty sick and tired of playing the same thing over and over again quickly. Um, and so, yeah, it's I, I think you almost kind of have to find new ways to shed while you're performing. Um, at least that's what I was trying to do uh, and just keep it fresh and I'm really going to focus on like my articulation feels great today. So I'm going to focus on really getting that clean and getting that feeling going. And if you have a week in one city versus three or four one nighters, do you notice a difference in your chops or the way you feel physically? Um, not really just because I, I think I will say that, you know, climate plays a factor into that. Um, you know, I'm, I know that you understand that being a brass player too, and I'm sure that, you know, reads and, it affects musicians a lot of ways, but for, oh, yeah. for us, it, you know, we, our chops are affected and if you're not drinking enough water, um, you know, that can affect it. And so I, I think that would be, that's the thing that I noticed the most as far as like chop wise and like playing through the show, it was like, it's usually fine. I felt about the same at the end of show and then like beginning of show uh, as well, just because I think you're playing so much consistently yeah that your chops are kind of constantly warmed up and i was still doing routine and stuff um but for the most part i, I think i was just in that mode playing That's, all the time yeah and that really is just like working out right it's you, you get yeah. a certain level of fitness and you're cool it's just i i really noticed it um when i was touring with tom jones it's already 20 years ago yeah. um but we'd tour all over different places and then we'd be in vegas four times a year for two weeks at a time at the mgm grand yeah. so two weeks straight just in the same place playing like an hour and 15 minutes every night and so you'd unpack your bags and you get to be in the room and you just feel kind of like you're you're settled i yeah. i definitely always enjoyed that because then you just know you have your the whole day to warm up practice uh, work out um, I was working on my second CD then, so we were recording backstage or in the in the room and have a cool. whole setup, and it yeah. was really um, productive. Um, but you can't do that stuff as easy. And when it's like boom, 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 when I was with Matchbox Twenty, it's like you're you're in the next city and you got to really maintain yourself um, yeah. as a brass player. So for our listeners out there that don't um, realize. 
or understand kind of what we're talking about. Jake, what you call yourself a lead trumpet player. First of all, what what does it take to play trumpet? And then what is the difference between a trumpet player and a lead trumpet player? It's funny. I was just I was just writing about this. Um, so for me, you know, the lead players tend to spend more time in the upper register of the horn. Um, not to say that like other trumpet players um, don't, it just, it seems to be that consistently lead players are playing, they're the top voice. And so that ends up, usually ends up being on the upper end of the horn um, register wise. Um, so you're kind of sitting on top of, you know, I would say that lead players do, it's not just uh, specific to big band, you know, I, I think funk groups and things like that. It's, it's kind of a lot of the same thing. Oh, yeah. um, just playing in the upper register consistently, but um, so yeah, you know, in, in big band setting, uh, it's the first trumpet part. Uh, those are going to be the highest notes. Um, and then you end up sitting on top of the band uh, because of the nature of the instrument and how well that it, it projects. Why are there so few lead trumpet players versus general good trumpet players? What's the difference? Um, I think it's it's spending time working on that upper register playing. Um, some people it, it are, I don't want to say naturally good at it, but it, 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 their setup, their specific setup um, works better for playing lead, playing in the upper register for longer periods of time. Not, and that's, you know, not saying that, you know, you can't work on your range and get better at that, better at it that way. It's like a sprinter versus a long distance runner, right? Or I'm, I'm way into cycling and the Tour de France and all that. There's people that are climbers and there's people that are sprinters. You're just physical makeup does have something to do with it. Did you always find that you um, were able to play higher notes easier at a young age? It's funny because my, my first band director, she made fun of me. Uh, <laughs> As band directors should do, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she, would, uh, she would say, yeah, you know, it, especially getting into high school, because I was playing lead in the big band at high school, you know, uh, at that point. But she was like, I remember you in seventh grade and you couldn't play above a G on top of the staff, which is, you know, about middle of the road. Uh, and she was like, and you, you're shaking and everything. And, uh, and I, I'm not sure I, I, you know, I thought about this a lot. I'm not sure when it clicked for me or if it was, I, I remember I was playing a really shallow mouthpiece. Um, and that was helping me get higher notes out. And so I think without knowing it, I was working on air compression, um, and but, I, then, I have, but then all of a sudden you hit trumpet puberty. Yeah. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> Wait, I better drink to that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> trumpet puberty. <laughs> I've never said that before. That's what Sonic Tonic Experience is all about. Yeah, man. I don't think anybody said that before. <laughs> um, yeah. So... And then you just realized at some point in high school that you enjoyed playing the higher notes and kind of uh, leading the way on top of the band. Yeah, I remember. I remember wanting to play the first part, 
Um, and I, I enjoyed playing the melody and um, which ended up, you know, on my stand a lot, the melody playing, playing first or whatever. And when I, when I wasn't, um, it was like, it was like almost like I wasn't having as much fun, you know? And so it's changed. I've changed my tune since then. Cause I, you know, I love playing inner parts like third trumpet. I love third trumpet. I would play third trumpet all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I remember from, you know, a young age really enjoying being like that, that voice and being in that, that part. Um, and it made it fun for me, you know? And that's one of the main components anyone should be doing when you love something, do more of that. Yeah. And you're, you're better at it. You spread more positivity. You're in a better mood. You're happier. You're not doing it for money. You're doing it because you're just a creature on this planet and you're doing something you love. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think, uh, you know, there's sort of a stigma out there in the music world um, of, you know, there's certain personality types that play certain instruments. Um, do you find that and a, a common thing is that lead trumpet, you really have to be a leader. You're usually a personality type and you're kind of an alpha male. Um, do you, have you found that? And do you think of that yourself that way? Um, yeah, I don't think of myself that way. <laughs> no. uh, I think it's, I think that you do have to, just because of the nature of the role, uh, you're kind of driving the bus stylistically, uh, you know, with, with big band and stuff and that, that loosens up when you get into different genres and different ensemble makeups, uh, instrument wise. Um, but yeah, with, especially with, with big band, you kind of have to take the reins. Um, but that also means doing the research, um, and taking the time to, I mean, listening, you know, every, everybody always says that, but li seriously, listening is like the biggest thing that helped me. And I would sit with my, my charts and find my favorite recordings and literally go measure by measure, phrase by phrase. I'm going to, okay, I'm only listening for articulation. Okay. I'm going to go back. I'm only listening for dynamics. Okay. I'm going to, I'm only listening for like, you know, the shape of the line. Where is, where is he articulating or anybody articulating um, and slurring to get through these passages. Um, and, but yeah, I think there's back to your original question. I think there is a personality type, uh, kind of like, I don't know, jockey lead trumpet player. <laughs> yeah. And, you, you, you gravitate toward it and then you actually have to put in the effort and to work on it. Yeah. Um, do you, I've always kind of thought I've written a lot of music and played in a lot of big bands and I've really boiled it down to in any band the most important instrument is the bass because it's rhythmic and it's harmonic so sure. it's it's doing two of the three main roles of music the other one is melody um but really with a big band meaning we're talking 17 to 20 people on stage playing swing latin ballads um a whole number of styles but it's when you hear a great big band, it's really what makes or breaks it to me as a listener is drums and lead trumpet. Yeah. <laughs>
those two things and the base, of course. So if those sure. three chairs are being well taken care of, the third trombone, the second tenor, sorry, everybody, but they don't <laughs> matter as much. They can be carried like, yeah. uh, like a mediocre basketball team by sure. the star, you know? Um, so I... I want to play some music here so our listeners can hear you playing. And this is from your last year at the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas? Yes. Yeah, it would have been my last year.
Just listening to University of North Texas with Jake Boldman playing lead trumpet with the One O'Clock Lab Band, featuring the great jazz trumpet player Chuck Finley, and uh, that arrangement was by Drew Zaremba, who now lives in Colorado, uh, great sax player up at University of Northern Colorado, um, and that was the song is you. Um, but uh, such a pleasure to hear great playing like that. You can, you can literally go to any video or any record from University of North Texas Lab One and be pleasantly surprised and entertained with musical quality. Um, and it's such a neat lineage to be from. So how, how was it to be at that school? Um, I, I really enjoyed my time there like we would always we would get together and like hang and listen uh to records or whatever um new tunes that had come out from like from up and coming jazz musicians we we really liked um we get together and sight read i mean there were there was uh i remember when i was first starting there we had a like a trumpet hang with some of the guys from the one o'clock 
and it's like oh cool it's like they want to hang yeah and so we're playing you know we had kind of this round robin thing going where it's like we're reading we had five trumpets up at this at one time and just reading big band charts down and so you start on one end and you're playing fourth and then you go to you know you go to third and then you're playing lead and then you're playing second and then fifth and then you have a break until it's your turn to start playing fourth again i love that that's uh, such that's what college is all about man that is so great. cool where <laughs> you're you're so deep into this thing where it's like who cares what time it is um and you just play more 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 i yeah i remember one time we went and heard the moscow philharmonic that was over from um russia and played in miami and then one of the grad student trombone players invited the bone players all back to the campus yeah. Yeah. and then we did that exact same thing playing bach bach uh, quartets and all these things of just w mixed with these guys some of them could barely speak english so we couldn't even communicate that much and yeah. we're just all swapping in and playing till the wee hours and i remember smoking bulgarian cigarettes <laughs> that they had and and we invited our trombone teacher over too he was involved yeah. in and it was just such a cool thing and it's i think a lot of people maybe don't realize they would just happen on this video they just saw you play and go wow that sounds really good and oh you must be really lucky you're just musically talented um that's not the case uh everybody needs to realize when you hear something great or see something great there's a lot, there might be raw talent, but there's a lot of hard work. And I love that you're bringing up this point about listening. Um, music is about listening. That's it. Yeah. And then you respond once you hear something and decide you have something to say, you know, and especially as a composer, what do I hear? What do I want to do? And um, the, the detail and the exposed nature of lead trumpet is really kind of unprecedented, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but what is it about a big band that is one of your favorite things to do? Part of it is like the harmonic density of it. There's so many things going on. And there's so much to listen to and to be a part of, um, even when you're not playing. Um, like just being aware of what's going on around you at all times. Um, and I, that's one of my favorite things about it is you can, you could sit there and listen to the bass player the entire tune and it would be great. Yeah. You know, and, but, and there's, then you can go back and listen. It's like, oh, wow, this, that's sax section sounds incredible. It's like, they're so in tune and so tight. Nobody's out of place. Everybody's moving together as a unit. Um, and so I, I think because of the number of, musicians that are a part of it um there's always something to listen to and to tune in you, you know when you're not playing and then when you are playing you're a part of this this one unified sound and when it's like when it's going i mean that's there is no better feeling than being a part of that and adding to it and contributing and uh, yeah. doing it at a high level i mean that's when i'm having the most fun that i have i love many things that you're saying here man it's like so dialed in um of i love it when people maybe discover something especially from this podcast of going 
oh, I didn't really think about that. You just kind of hear this blank, this blanket of sound sure. and don't realize that there's 17 different people playing their individual parts to add up to the whole, which is like a drink. That's why yeah. I got the yeah. idea for this thing. It's like um, you put more bitters in and the whole drink changes, even yeah. though you still have this strong bourbon in there, right? Um, yes. So the trumpet isn't the only thing. And believe it or not, great musicians aren't only listening for their own instrument. So when you hear um, Gordon Goodwin Big Band, or you hear a great Stan Kenton thing, or or Maynard Ferguson, or uh, do you notice the lead trumpet? Of course, but you might listen past that. You have the choice to listen and just dial in and go, "Wow, the piano voicings that he's doing behind that sax solo is just awesome." Yeah. Um, how how do you become more aware to think like that and listen like that? Um, I, I think it's really sitting down and critically listening um, and and analyzing. Not that you have to sit down with a pad and paper and you know write out everything that you're hearing, uh, like I was saying earlier. It, it but I think sitting down and having that be the only thing that you're doing is 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 more helpful to that end than anything else you can do like you can always have the like tunes on or whatever and i i have it on when i'm working or something but every now and then something pops up it's like that was that was it that was great playing and you go back and it's like jesus i gotta i gotta take that off yeah you know and figure out what they're doing that's a great point i i think it helped people are can be a lot happier and their brain a lot calmer if you do one thing at a time. Um, music isn't only background, right? Yeah, it's, totally. <laughs> it's known for being in elevators and grocery stores and uh, the background of a movie. Okay, the soundtrack, that was kind of nice. Yeah. Um, but as musicians, we listen to it in the forefront and go, wow that really had an impact on me. I love the way that makes me feel. What is that voicing? What, what is happening there? And, and going back multiple listenings instead of moving on to the next thing and blowing it off. Um, uh, I want to, I want to play you a little, uh, mini version of that here. Um, this is Jake playing with the DKO electro horns four live horn players with my Ableton rig. We're looking at Ableton Live. It's a cool recording program I use a lot to create and perform my music. But you can see it there. That's Jake. It's my sister Dawn Kramer on trumpet also. Tenor sax, Eric Earhart. It's 
really tight. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's listen to it again. And as it's playing, I'll go ahead and bring in the background track, which is, you know, the drums, bass, and key- keyboards. Now, no horns. So I'm just crossfading between those, but it that's like a small example of you can do that with your own mind and go, I'm really honing into the horns. And um, all of us, Jake, who were some of your inspirations when you were growing up? Why, why did you start going, I want to spend my life playing trumpet? There's a band from Australia called The Cat Empire. And their first album, I remember I was sitting in my my friend's brother's car and we were, I think we were driving to lunch or something and he put on this record and this tune came on and I was like, what is that? And this guy is just like super brassy, like high notes, shakes all over the place. Like, um, and it was just like, I, I have to, I have to figure out how to do that. Uh, <laughs> and that. so then from there, um, the guy, his name is Harry J. Angus. In that in the cat empire a real beefy player yeah 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 and so that's kind of what got me going and i remember hearing uh wayne in gordon goodwin's band i had a i had a weird little like mix cd and i don't even know where i got it how i came upon these tunes but it was um uh gordon goodwin's band and wayne playing lead and i, I think we did we played hunting wabbits and that was one of the tunes we played in uh in high school and we did the first circle which he's that's uh bob kernow's la big band which is one of my most favorite where he does pat metheny yeah and Lyle may's tunes that's one of my favorite albums of all time hands down and i didn't realize uh he was playing on that session Um, yes so i guess yeah you know (laughs) the wing was an early influence I mean, yeah, and that, that stuff's important because it really obviously then puts you on a new trajectory. Um, sure. I, I was lucky I had Bob Kernow direct the McDonald's All-American Jazz Band That's when so I was cool. a senior. And yeah. I'm going, who is this guy? He's just like a wealth of information. And yeah. he was real particular in rehearsals. And we played on the telethon and Jerry Lewis in, in uh, Vegas and went to Hawaii and did all these cool things. But then you know, you're hanging with him on the tour. And then he was just so uh, laid back and cool and knew all this stuff about uh, Stan Kenton, big band from the day. And um, that's a life in music is just awesome. And I'm actually talking with Wayne Bergeron this week about being a guest on Sonic Tonic Experience. Killer. uh, I'm going to, hopefully he'll play on a record on a tune of mine. And then, um, yeah kind of pick his brain and it's just so neat to share all this information because everyone has different influences but we're all kind of going for the same thing which is to inspire and educate people around the world right we certainly need more of that (laughs) for sure um everyone we're listening and speaking with jake boldman great lead trumpet player lives in dallas texas and um, he's part of the DKO Electro Horns. If you're enjoying 
what you're hearing and learning from him, please feel free to donate a few bucks, send it all his way, especially to help through this whole COVID experience this <laughs> this year. <laughs> he was on the road in March when all of this hit, and um, we've all been struggling as performing musicians. So please feel free to push him a few bucks and help pay the rent. Jake, I want you to, you were mentioning that you have a new project in the works of really trying to share your information, everything you've learned so far from a life in music of how to learn and be a better lead trumpet player. So tell us about that. During the quarantine, uh, I've been fortunate in a way to be able to step back from how I was approaching my career. Um, and I've been able to kind of brainstorm and get some new ideas uh, as how to move forward from when we can open back up again and when, when we're all back to normal. Um, if there is, you know, to whatever the, the new normal is gonna be. And that's a really good point, right? Because I don't know that the past normal was what it should be, or yeah. maybe that's not true either. It's what it is, let's make it better. Yeah. And on that note too, it's, it's funny what you end up craving. Um, and it's really human experience and human contact. And, and that's, that's what everybody's missing. It's not, you know, ever, you know, the rent and, you know, money's certainly a thing for artists. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, all, all I want to do is, is go have a drink with my friends at a bar and watch sports or go, go hang. And that's, that's kind of what everybody's missing, I think. And just puts it in perspective. Yeah. Um, but so um, to answer your question. Um, yeah. So I've, I've taken a step back and kind of uh, I've been reading a music business book um, called the savvy musician uh, by David Cutler. Um, and, and going through it, it's kind of made me, I'm not even that far through it yet, um, but going through it's made me kind of realize that there there are so many aspects of having a music career that you can brand and you can market and come up with different ideas and um, in a way to kind of push yourself forward um, and you know with more artistic fulfillment. Um, and I, I think one of those things for me is teaching. Um, and so, which is, has led me to kind of, um, I've been doing a lot of research on lead trumpet first and foremost here lately. Um, it was funny the other day I had a memory on Facebook pop up, uh, from 11 years ago uh, in 2009. And I, I posted something about listening to the atomic Basie record and it's like, all right, yeah, good, good job getting those listening gains in like early on but it, it's funny because now i'm transcribing that whole record really uh, yeah and what snooki was doing on it and uh so it's funny how you kind of go back to those things and you know been listening to that record for 11 years mm -hmm. uh and it never loses that you know that that fine fine-tuned playing approach from especially from snooki uh, and so, yeah, that's why I was uh, kind of going back and going back to the roots on it. But so it's led me to uh, start a blog 
uh, about lead trumpet playing. And I, I feel like there's a, a lot of the community, I guess, uh, it thinks that it's all about the high notes. And there's so many other aspects of lead playing that is that I would say that I would argue is more important than having high notes. And it is important to do that. Um, and it is important to work on your upper register. Um, but I think what makes a great, great lead player is their musicality um, and how that relates to the upper register versus the other way around. Um, and a lot of people, you know, they have a double G and it's like, they're gonna let you know about it. You know, and they got the you, ego to go with it. And, you mean like Snoop Dogg? D O double G? Exactly like Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Man, I need to get a lesson. <laughs> um, having a, a specific purpose, but really being well rounded as well is a, is a real challenge, but that's really the goal of any great lead trumpet player I've run across. You mentioned Wayne Bergeron. Um, we've, we're lucky yeah. enough to, uh, be here in Denver, have. Greg Gisbert, who yeah. I've known since I was in ninth grade. Um, so he's certainly one of those people that have strived to play the entire instrument, whether it's the high notes or the low notes, soft, loud, beautiful. You mentioned musicality, you know. Um, yeah. There's another great trumpet player in New York City I played with a bit when I lived there, uh, Tony Cadlick, who actually looks like he oh, could yeah. be <laughs> Greg Gisbert's brother um Tony's the man yeah yeah Tony's just plays uh every show that's been on Broadway and um another just a, a guru of trumpet Wynton Marsalis is the same um all the guys yeah. in his band you know Marcus Printup they're they're all aware of trying to bring the tradition and respect to the instrument while also carving out their own voice right that's a challenge yeah, and I think tradition, that's that's where we need to start and maintain the music. Uh, that's what's important about it. And like, yeah, you can, you can, you get a brand new chart nobody's ever seen before put in front of you. Sure, interpret it the way that you feel like it should be interpreted. But when you're playing bassy, and you got to play bassy, you can't, you can't, you got to have the vibrato, you got to have fast falls and things like that. And, and that goes for everybody. And, but the tradition is is the most important part in keeping not for the necessarily the sake of keeping it alive which is important um but paying tribute to the music that we've come to love so dearly and the players who did it and our, our favorite players and it's like all i want to do is sound like snooki brought his name up a bit snooki young one of the titans kind of a trumpet world right and um what when did you start listening to him knowingly listening to him i was in college i didn't really have anybody pushing me to listen when i was in high school i just kind of liked it and i stumbled across a few things but i really wasn't into any of this until i got to north texas wow and started checking out stuff and i i didn't listen to maynard in high school i you know i didn't i knew who he was kind of and i did know about some of his songs but i wasn't actively listening to to any anything like that um and so it all it all kind of happened when i got to college 
Um, and I, you know, everything you think, happens when it should. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Um, so it, but it, it definitely pushed me to listen more. Everybody else was listening. I felt like everybody had a head start. Uh, and I remember just going, we could check out CDs from the library and I went every day. I just started checking out big band records and Count Basie and, you know, things with Conrad Gazzo on it and Al Persino and, you know, all these, you know, the hangs that we were having with the people, you know, these people at North Texas um, who had been there and, oh, you, you don't know this record? Like, oh man, you got to get on this. Yeah. You know, and so, and then I just, I mean, the first, I was listening all the time when I first started all the time. You know, what's crazy is the older I get. And by the way, our, your birthday last year, we were sipping Stranahan's bourbon. Yeah. At the yeah, Stranahan's distillery here in Denver, Colorado. That was great. Uh, that was um, great. So it's crazy. A whole year's passed. Um, <laughs> the older I get, I just realize how much music musicians listen to throughout their lives because something will come on um i just heard a barry manilow tune the other day song that's based on the chopin chord progression uh, could it be magic yes. oh <laughs> and and when i hear that i have these flashbacks of like oh my god i listen to barry manilow albums and barbara streisand and neil diamond and captain and Tennille and blood sweat and tears and three dog night and all that has such an impact and starts to shape your musicality, what you're saying. And it's really about being able to play in the style of what a certain genre of music entails. So you're saying you're writing this blog. Um, what, what are a few things that you're suggesting to people that want to learn more about playing in the style of lead trumpet playing? Um, yeah. So, one thing I will say is I did call the blog in the style of. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm going to call it. Um, so that's funny <laughs> that you say that and then bring up the blog. <laughs> Everything's related, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> but my first entry um, is about high notes and musicality. I won't Isn't go that an oxymoron? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to find out when it's posted. <laughs> So, so you're saying this is a brand new project, brand new blog on your website, jakeboldman.com? Yes. I, I want it to be a broad spectrum as far as audience. Um, I want to be able to help younger players be like, this is, this is kind of where you need to start. Um, and so I'm going to have um, posts about equipment, um, mouthpieces, and not even pertaining specifically to lead with the, the equipment. Just um, trumpet. Just trumpet, um, but with an emphasis on if you want to play lead, here's a good place to start. Just your beginner's guide to listening. So these albums, Count Basie, Kenton, Bill Holman, uh, Terry Gibbs. So like talking about Snooki. Um, so listing records that he's on going through like Thad Jones and the Tonight Show with Doc and all of his Basie stuff. And even though I think he was playing third trumpet with um, – John Clayton and Jeff Hamilton, uh, their band. Um, and B. John Watson's playing, plays lead with them. But I think Snooki was playing third um, for the time that he was with the group. And so, like, including those, like, like reading a baseball card almost. And nice. it's like, Snooki is like master of the plunger mute. 
um, you know, was like one of the fathers of first trumpet. This is really exciting. This is good timing for this too, um, that you're putting this blog together. So any um, musicians and educators out there, please spread the word jakeboldman.com um, because th this is another outlet, a very cool internet uh, accessible educational tool if people aren't you know going to be able to be back in school and um, play alongs are a really great thing too just uh the bob mincer big band uh play along app and that has wayne bergeron on it uh by the way and it's and peter erskine the great drummer um and you can mute the different tracks and play along with it there's so many neat uh, um resources out there these days it doesn't mean if you can't be in school band that you should just stop playing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's really important. Okay, this is this is really great information. I want to uh, step over into our real experience segment of the show where, Jake, you've been posting a few things on Facebook, and it's like really impressive stuff with your physical workouts you've kind of made this shift over the last two years and um tell us all about that yeah so uh it's mostly been running here lately um but i it all started with i i, I was doing dog sitting when i was in denver and there was this one dog that i was with for maybe maybe a week and a half two weeks. Um, and so I'm staying at these people's house. Um, but their dog is, is I forget what the name. Oh, it's a, it was a German pointer. Uh, anyways, these are really high energy dogs. Uh, they're like hunting dogs. And so they were like, it's really important that she get out and, and, and take Bodie for a walk, um, twice a day. And he, and there, there happened to not be, um, like drapes on the window in the room that I was staying in. And so the sun would rise at like, you know, and I, it would wake me up by seven o'clock. Yeah. And um, I was greeted every morning by Bodie, like sitting at the end of the bed, like peering over, like, <laughs> like, can we go on a walk yet? <laughs> That's a good look for you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we started going on walks and, um, getting up and getting out and doing doing my thing first first thing in the day um i'd never really done that before really and yeah just getting up and immediately working out i'm, I'm not a 7 a.m person um and so it, the sun woke me up naturally the dog got me out the door because i had to how was how um, the dog looking at you again <laughs> and so it, it all started with that and so i we would go on long walks twice a day and then it was over and i was like well i'm kind of enjoying this and so it's like okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna keep going i'm gonna keep getting up early like that since i'm kind of on the schedule now and doing doing a workout or something going on a walk in the morning and so it started with the walk um, and then, you know, I had a gym membership. And so I, I started working with this app called couch to 5k and it's basically a pro 30 day program, um, 
that you can, if you, if you feel like you're not ready to go on past day five, then you can just redo day five again until you're ready to, to go on. But it's like, it starts off with like you walk for two minutes and then one run for 30 seconds and then walk for two minutes and run. So you're kind of building up strength as you go throughout this month long process. Um, and so I started doing that to the point where, and I remember thinking, uh, there was the, the first day that it was like, all right, you're going to run for eight minutes and then you're going to walk for a minute and a half and then you're going to do another eight minutes and then you walk for five minutes. And I'm like, eight minutes, like or run for eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, all right, let's see, let's see what happens. And so I just kind of built strength through that. And, um, then I did my first 5k last June. And um, it was it started at Romero's uh, Canine Club uh, up there, and uh, so I did my 5K, and I ran faster than I had run a 5K before, and so I felt great about that. And but I started working with a trainer remotely in Dallas, and so I was doing these this like lifting program with some cardio uh, on the road, um, and. It's like, that was even, I was pretty good about it, but even that was still a little less consistent. It's like, if you're going out a bunch during the week and city to city, sometimes it's like a bunch of fun to go out. And other times you're like, there's nothing to do here. Yeah. Uh, so I, I started doing that. And then it was really, when I got back from quarantine, um, there is a running series called the Colorado Brewery Running Series. And they do month monthly virtual it's not a contest it's more of just like an event and you put in your miles and there's i think now there's almost 900 people that that participated uh last month it might be more i don't know um but so everybody gets together and there are prizes for if you get to 25 miles if you get to 50 miles and if you get to 100 miles and so i i got home and was like what am I gonna do for the next what I thought then was gonna be two months so I mapped it out and was like okay so if I do three miles a day for 30 days that's 90 miles uh, I mean um, hold on we gotta double check that man yeah yeah okay yeah 90 miles <laughs> <laughs> um and then I took and got to my, I set a goal for 120 miles and, uh, and I got just over that. I think it was like 120 point something. Um, That's and super cool. Yeah. I, I never, you know, looking back, it's like, I never would have considered myself number one, being capable of doing something like that or considering myself a runner. Um, and so that, that has been like a, really eye-opening experience as to what you can accomplish if you take the time and you have discipline and set out small goals for yourself and build on those small goals um what you can get accomplished and it's made me proud of myself um i know that i if i if i put in the effort i can i can do things that i normally wouldn't think that i would be able to do and I, you, you hear that a lot, but it's really, it's really true. But tell me why, why then um, there's not much going on. It is a little bit of a downer, especially for performing musicians. Sure. Um, you can't go out and do your thing. So you practice at home. That's not quite the same. 
why did you feel that you took the steps literally to <laughs> make a proactive choice of action versus sit on the couch, eat more pizzas, drink more beer and do nothing and actually gain 20 pounds instead of going out and running? Um, I think it was the competition aspect of it. The first one was a, or the hundred miles was a, you get like 20 bucks off in their store or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> I remember getting to the end of it and it's like, I just ran a hundred miles for a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Did it have a smiley face? Yeah. Like on the no. Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, so uh, isn't that funny? That's a great lesson, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of, even you got to have a goal. You got to try you got to do something's fairly consistent. Right. Um, but then like having this extra little prize, even if it's silly, give yourself yeah. some sort of incentive and um, you can do some amazing things. Yeah. I, I think that's for me, it's, it's the competition aspect of it. And it's led me to think of other ways to spend my time being active. And it's like, I would love to get into mountain biking um, and the more like when I'm, when I'm playing a sport or something, I'm trying a hundred times harder than I would if I was just, just doing my own thing. Yeah. Um, and so now it's to the point with the running where it's like, I, it feels weird if I don't get out and do something active and it's not, I'm not running all the time. Sometimes I go on long walks, you know, it, it's not, um, I don't want people to think that I'm out there running every day of the week, you know, 31 days in a row. Um, but it's, it's just that, that you kind of get into new things and when you realize that you can do it and go out there and give it a go, like have hobbies that keep you active. And so that's what I've been trying to think of. And it's, it's made me feel good. Um, it's, it's lifted my, my spirits. And uh, I think that's why I've stuck with it. Very inspiring information, man. Congrats. Uh, thanks. And thanks for sharing it. I, it's sure. just, this is exactly what Sonic Tonic Experience is about. And yeah. for the listeners out there, as you're talking, these are hitting core values within myself as well. And it's two books that have really made an impact on me in the last year are James Clear. It's called Atomic Habits. Um, doing something consistently, creating new habits, because that is your life. Whatever you're doing, you're doing them as small habits. So instead of ordering pizza four days a week, cut it down to three, then cut it down to one. Um, get out and walk to the mailbox, walk around the block, jog for 100 yards, right? And just do it baby steps. So Atomic Habits is really worth your money. And also this other guy, Ben Hardy, and he just came out with a new book called Personality Isn't Permanent. And it's exactly this thing that you're talking about, Jake, of saying, yeah. I didn't think of myself as a runner. Well, when you're not running, you don't think of yourself as a runner. Yeah. When you run every other day, you start thinking, I'm the kind of person that runs every other day. So yeah. it's if, you, if you're looking for some inspiration out there to change your life and just improve as a person, um, if you read those two books in conjunction, Atomic Habits, Personality Isn't Permanent, I guarantee you, your life will change. 
and I'm, uh, writing, I'm writing that down. I'm not texting. <laughs> yeah, look at Jake's doing it right now. He's that's um, great. Th- th- it's it's super inspiring. I mean, um, did did you know Jake that I ran a marathon when I was 11? I yeah, I did know that. And I actually I was I've been thinking about that because just how you, I don't I don't want to take away your story if this no? is what you're going to say either. Um, just how you built up to it, you and your dad. Yeah, you just build up. You do the 5K, you know. Yeah. And it's about getting in those environments. That's your goal is to is to run a 5K. Um, and if you can do it with someone, that helps also. So it was really neat. My dad's 30 years older than me, and we'd kind of do it together. And then my teacher in fifth grade, she, she ran the Denver Marathon, and I went and checked it out. We all hung out down there for the day, and I just thought, I'm coming back here next year and doing this. And um, we got on a three-month real strict training program got up to like 63 miles a week wow at the, at the peak of it ran the longest run we did was 18 miles um and they figure you're in good enough condition and the adrenaline and the atmosphere of the race will help you those past yeah those that's what i've heard eight, eight miles and it's like um, don't don't do the whole thing until the day of <laughs> yeah like you gotta have that push yeah and um yeah, I was 11 and my goal was nine minute miles and try to beat four hours. And I got 356. Awesome. <laughs> and I was just like, this is so cool. And it's not necessarily about being in shape and doing the race. It's kind of what it teaches you of what you said. It shows you, you can do pretty amazing things at any age if you just set your mind to it. Yeah, the body is capable. It's the mind that holds you back. It really is. And and what's so ironic is I never ran another marathon again. And then I started oh, yeah. having problems with my knees. I grew real fast. I'm 6'6". Six, six, um, so I'm really tall. And, and that eighth, ninth grade years, really kind of my knees um, got Osgood slaughter and, you know, a lot of different stuff. So I kind of had to back off. But um, one thing I'll say is, man, this stuff carries over into other areas of your life. I remember seeing Greg Gisbert on the Jerry Lewis telethon with the McDonald's jazz band and thought, this is a national thing. You kind of an all-star thing you auditioned for. I saw him playing and I'm like, I'm doing that. When I'm a senior in high school, I'm doing that. Yeah. And I made sure and got the audition materials, made a great tape, sent it in and part of it's luck, you know, but sure enough, I got the letter in the mail you're in yeah. the McDonald's All-American Marching Band, and then it was the jazz band. And yeah. I'm like, I believe that part of that training of the marathon years before had something to do with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's not specific to one thing. Hard work isn't is hard work. Yeah. And I, I it's funny you say that you kind of you know put it out there for yourself. It's like I want to do that. I want that. And that's how I felt about playing in in the one o'clock. Even I remember getting to school and I thought I was going to have this stellar audition and I made lead in the nine o'clock, which I mean, which as a freshman is, is still a good thing, you know, but yeah. it was, I was in the ninth band, <laughs> the last <laughs> band. And I was like, Oh God, maybe I need to like reevaluate. And I remember seeing the one o'clock perform for the first time and it was just like, I want that. I want to do that. That's, that looks like so much fun. It sounds awesome. Yes. And, yeah, so I think putting that out there to yourself um, is important. And, and actually, a big part of Ben Hardy's book and his blog 
about journaling. He's huge on journaling. And I just did it this morning. Um, uh, where he's, That's where you put it out there. You're writing it down. Yeah. Thinking something is important, but doing something is more important. And actually writing it physically on paper and saying, I want this to happen for my life. This is a goal. I'm going to finish. I'm going to sign up for this 5K. I'm going to train four days a week for it and um, start making these small changes, you know. And hopefully, yeah, yeah this is inspiring, Jake, because uh, you're like a perfect representative of what kind of guests I'm looking for for Sonic Tonic Experience. It's somebody who's passionate about stuff, but we all have doubts. We all have fears. And it's about just taking that one step past it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, I think that's kind of what's driving my work ethic right now is I'm in a bit of a transitional phase and it's like, yeah, I, you know, I, I have a certain set of skills and, but there's always things to be improved upon and there's always things to work on and new things to get into. And, you know, I, you know, ideally I, I would, want to be back in Denver, you know, but I don't know where this next six months is going to lead me. Um, we're supposed to go back out on the road, you know? Um, and do you, do you plan on that or do you make a move and start doing something else because you nothing, they can say everything that they want, but we don't really know. They're booking yeah. the gigs and doing the stuff. Um, but yeah. And so it's just kind of this uncertainty and it's like, all right, well, let's get to work, start working on stuff. And that's the reason for the blog and the, the brand and the website update and all the stuff. Yeah. I think the thing that a lot of musicians have been talking uh, and really feeling, I mean, and it's beyond musicians too, but, but um, is going, wow, I wasn't seeing this coming. All of our gigs just gone. I mean, what a bizarre like summer because we're, we're all in Colorado. We're all driving up the mountain once a week to go play a wedding up in Vail and Beaver Creek and Aspen and Telluride and all this stuff. Um, it's always a lot of cool travel and you play all this cool stuff with fun people. Um, all that's been gone. Nothing. Um, so you can make two choices, though. You didn't choose this, but you can choose how you react to it. Sure. So then you go, well, I'm still alive. I'm still healthy. And uh, I have people around me that support me and I have this talent, right? Yeah. So do something else with it. It's like forcing your head to look another direction and go, well, maybe you can apply your talents in music and maybe deeper down these characteristics and your values in your person and um, do something that could have never happened because if it wouldn't have been for this COVID, you know? Yeah. I, and, you know, as terrible of a thing as it is, like, I think there's some good that's come out of it personally. Um, and yeah, kind of getting into these, these new streams, you know, of, I don't know, your uh, interests or it's like, I've thought about doing things outside of music. Like, what do I like? You know, it's like, I like being in a brewery like what if i was to work at that or do something with that for a little bit or part-time or just because i enjoy it you know and, and you can bring these same characteristics and and passions 
to another field and isn't that cool that's also a nice you're putting a nice bow on this show of like the sonic tonic it's like music and beverage it's all kind of a medicinal um substance for well-being you know making you feel better and um would isn't that cool that you could take some of this all this detail oriented this discipline thought as a lead trumpet player and go be a brewmaster somewhere and you might make one of the world's best and most popular <laughs> beers and you would have never planned on doing that unless uh life sort of led you down that path right yeah um well man this is super interesting conversation man we could just keep going and we have right. when we were together here in colorado yeah um yeah. lots of great gems of wisdom here everybody please um if you can spare a few dollars please go ahead and push it to the links you see on the screen and we'll get it to jake and hopefully he can pay a few bills from this and from the lack of gigs through this whole covid experience and um but we wish you the best of luck to keep things going stay healthy um, and keep playing music this is uh, a real pleasure to to learn from you and uh get to hang out a little bit here for this show yeah for sure man it's it's been too long and it's i mean i it gets me excited like talking about all this stuff it's like ah, i'm gonna go like get to work now i gotta i want to do this i got this idea this has been super fun. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm so psyched this worked out. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and finish out the show here with a, a featuring Jake on um, a DKO Electro Horns remix that I did of my song Not Far From Here. So we recorded this in January when he was in Denver playing uh, the Margarita show a bit. And I said, man, let's record. So it was Jake, my sister Dawn. Um, it's really incredible what you can do with great players, a great song, and Ableton Live. And um, so I hope you guys enjoy this. This is the great lead trumpet playing of Jake Boldman on Not Far From Here, the Electro Horns remix. See you next week. I want you. No one.